Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Hello and welcome to the first ever Supernatural Cast with Jimmy and Georgia, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. And in our little podcast here, we seek to take a look back, if you will, at the phenomenon of Supernatural. And me, honestly, as I record, as of a couple Saturdays ago on August the 20th, I had seen a few minutes of the first episode of Supernatural, and that was it. And so I've actually seen almost the first three seasons at this point in the last like 10 days or so. I should finish up the third season either tonight or tomorrow. And I do hope to try to catch up by the time season seven begins on September the 23rd. But anyway, we're going to take a look back. We're going to start from the beginning of Supernatural. And one of the things I want to do, I don't really plan to like talk about stuff that happens later. Uh, I don't know how what you guys might want. I mean, if that's something you want, we can you know, change the format a little bit. That'll be fine. But going into this show, like I said, 10 days ago, I've looked around for some podcasts. And there are some out there. I'm not saying those are bad. just wasn't what I was looking for personally. I wanted to find a show that went back to the first you know, the first episode and went straight through and, and had some recaps and discussion and, and things along those lines. And most of the ones I found that were older um, are no longer around. Some of them are still listed in iTunes and they're not even, you can't download them, you can't listen to them. Some of the more current ones, you know, are dealing with season six and I haven't seen season six or something to that effect. And so I was looking for uh, one that went back to the beginning. I did find one, I guess the CW had an official one for, was like a rewatch of the first season and that's all they ever did. And I didn't really care for that particular one too much. So I decided I'd start my own. Not to say that everyone out there is bad or anything, that I'm better. Not at all. But I just didn't find what I was looking for. And so I figured I would make the podcast that I would have been looking for. Because what I was looking for, basically, and I try to do this from time to time if I really like a show. Uh, I did this with the Clone Wars recently. I started watching Star Wars The Clone Wars. And I found a podcast called The Frontlines Clone Wars Podcast. And I really enjoyed listening to that in addition to watching the show, even though those episodes were from several years ago. I still liked it. And so my theory here is what I'd like to do, and, and maybe I'll change this depending on how much free time I have. Uh, I think I'm going to do like a weekly podcast. So I could call this the weekly Supernatural cast, but I have not done that. I'd like to do a weekly podcast and go back through every episode of the show, pick out um, several little things in here that I have a little catalog of, of items that I want to talk about. Some of them, I kind of got this format for my other podcast. I've just kind of finished the first season of. It's a Falling Skies cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. And kind of have a similar format here, a little different. But basically each week I plan to have like a Dean quote of the week because Dean is just funny. He really is. He's, he's definitely my favorite of the two boys. And then I also want to do a little bit of thing called a Supernatural Travel Log. We'll kind of briefly discuss the places that the Winchesters go whether or not they're real or not, how you know, those type of things. Um, also, uh, each week I'd plan to take a look at the folklore or the mythology they talk about in the episode and kind of maybe, exp- not necessarily explain it, but I don't know, just talk about that a little more, uh, discuss it a little bit. And then also, I uh, definitely want to do a little thing I like to do for my other podcast called Supernatural and Pop Culture. And just kind of briefly mention some of the different pop culture references, whether it be from a t-shirt or something in the dialogue or something to that effect. 
Definitely, and then my, my next segment I would have each week would be something called Driver Picks the Music, where we do talk about the more prominent songs heard in the episode. Like for this first episode, there's a couple that were prominent, and there were a few others that I, maybe we heard in the background or something. But anyway, we definitely want to do that. And then definitely do a, like a really pretty much in-depth recap, followed up by the top five moments of the episode, like the five pivotal moments of the episode. And then hopefully we'll have some feedback later on, and then we'll, we'll get into that. So that's kind of a rough rundown of what I would care to do here in this podcast. And if you'd like to listen to that, that's awesome. We'd love to have you along. love to have you have your input here. If there's an episode that you really like, tell me, and maybe we can uh, figure out something. And we uh, have a phone number, email, Facebook, all those kind of things where you can call in, leave your comments, where you can email us. You should do this or that. You can add this. But I'm open to suggestions. I don't think I have this all figured out. One thing I think is good with this podcast, I actually have a, a real first podcast. Um, my other podcast here recently, apart from the Falling Skies cast, I did a, a podcast about the event. And there, for the first few episodes, there wasn't much to report about because it was a new show. No one had seen it, really, unless you were at Comic-Con that year. And so now this first episode is actually really a first episode. So I'm kind of excited about that. And the one other thing, too, I haven't gotten into a show like this since probably Lost. There's only been a few shows I've really got kind of hooked on, if you will, the last, say, 10 years. I remember, like, in 2003, I really hadn't caught up with Buffy. Started watching that, kind of got hooked on that, bought all the seasons, watched through those. And then, of course, started watching Angel as a result of that. Then not too long after Buffy, I got into Smallville. Don't know why I wasn't watching Smallville. I was a Superman fan, but I got into Smallville. And that time, I think they were in season five so i got caught up all the way to there and started watching it from week to week definitely like to be able to marathon through these things a lot better than uh waiting week to week oh my goodness it's so much better to marathon but uh like i said in the last nine days i haven't watched any today but the last nine days i watched 54 episodes of supernatural <laughs> and so hopefully if the, if the progress keeps up to that effect i should be able to catch up pretty easily hopefully all the way through season six and then jump into Season 7 on the week-to-week basis. And then, I don't know, I guess depending on some of your feedback, maybe if I have the time, maybe we'll do a, tw- a twice-a-week show and have an episode about a new episode and an episode about an older episode or something. I don't know, that really just depend on, I guess, if we have interaction, we have the uh, the feedback that... I know there's a huge Supernatural community out there that I have not been a part of because I just started watching the show a few days ago. And I just know on Twitter I've found... Um, 150 people thus far that had Supernatural in their name or in their description about themselves. It's like, wow, people are really excited about this show, and I thought that was cool. But anyway, back to my little story. I haven't been this excited about a show probably since Lost. Like after I got into Smallville, I got into Lost, and uh, at that time it was the first two seasons I had watched on DVD, and I was just hooked, and I wanted to keep going. And I definitely have really enjoyed watching Supernatural this last few days, and... I think it's an interesting story. I think there's a, a lots of things we can talk about in regards to that. I'm excited about watch super, watching Supernatural. I'm really enjoying it. It's probably my new favorite show at this point. Whereas, honestly, with Falling Skies and with the event, after a while I got kind of bored. Doing the podcast is, is work. Uh, it really is. It, taking notes and doing all these things, it, it's work. And so doing work on a show that's pretty good makes it not so good. <laughs> But, I don't know, yeah, like the event, I was, first ten episodes, I was really kind of out of it. I really didn't care that much, but the second half of the season got better, so I helped it a little bit. But I was trying to do that the same night, 
and that made it hard. Had long nights of recording and stuff. And then with the Falling Skies, I enjoyed the Falling Skies. I think it was a much better show than the event was. But at the same time, just trying to to find the time to be able to do it and work on it and actually get it up in a timely manner was kind of hard. And so I'm kind of excited about doing a show that's already out on DVD. I've already seen, like I said, 54 episodes. I don't have to wait for TNT or NBC to broadcast a new episode. And that would definitely make this whole thing easier. And so I'm going to stop talking about the podcast and get to the podcast. How about that? All right, well, first up this week, we're going to get into our first segment. It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. All right, well, this quote actually is the name of a, a segment later on in the show, and we see kind of early on in the episode, Dean's old Impala has a cassette player in it, which is bad enough, but also Dean has a, quite the cassette collection, and Sammy has some things to say about that, and we're going to get into the Dean Quote of the Week, what Dean has to say back to Sammy. House rules, Sammy. Driver picks the music. Shotgun shuts his cake hole. You know, Sammy is a chubby 12-year-old. It's Sam, okay? Sorry, I can't hear you. The music's too loud. All right, we're going to jump into our next segment. Here comes our little music. It's time for the Supernatural Travelogue. All right, well, in this segment here, the Supernatural Travelogue, as we mentioned briefly earlier, I'm going to talk a little bit about the places that Winchester boys went. In a flashback, we did see Lawrence, Kansas, back in the 80s. And Lawrence actually is a real place. It is the sixth largest city out in Kansas. And I always think it's interesting, like in this episode, Lawrence, Kansas is real. Stanford University is real. But Jericho, California was made up for the most part. And we'll get to that here in just a second. But good old Lawrence is actually kind of in between Topeka and Kansas City, Missouri. And it has a population of almost 88,000 people. Okay, well, Palo Alto, um, they didn't actually mention this in this episode, but that is where Stanford University is. And it is out in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. And it has a population of around 64,000 people. And before I bore you, let's move on into Jericho, California, the home of the woman in white. And it is a fake place, but it has a historical origin, I suppose, unless I dislike the name Jericho. Back in the 1800s, there was a settlement named Jericho in Nevada County, California. And it still appeared on maps all the way up through 1873. So technically it's made up, but it's not at the same time. But anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there for you. Okay, we're going to jump into our next little segment of the show. This Week in Folklore and Mythology. All right, well, it is time to get into probably one of the more fun aspects of the podcast that I think we'll be talking about, this one and probably the next segment as well, as uh, we take a look at some of the folklore and mythology that the guys encountered in this week's episode as we definitely see, the series starts off with the supernatural death of their mom. That we do find out her name is Mary Winchester. And uh, this entity, this being, we learn more about what caused that death as the show goes on. Obviously, since that's kind of the, the driving force behind the Winchesters and their uh, fighting evil, is to find the thing that killed their mother and destroy it. And so, like I said, I don't really want to get into spoiling things. If you haven't seen those future episodes... 
But I guess if enough, if everyone wants to uh, have me do that, I can. Maybe I can just throw in a little spoiler warning and tell you to skip ahead or something. But at this point, I don't really plan to do that. I just want to talk about this specific episode, not deal with stuff happening out there. I mean, because we learned this entity's name and stuff later on. But as far as season one, episode one, the pilot, we don't know hardly anything about this thing that killed Mary as she burned on the ceiling, which was really strange. Very, very strange indeed. All right. Well, that was one supernatural thing we encountered. Also, we encountered um, Halloween. There's a brief mention of it, uh, which I think is funny. Like, we don't really get the explanation. And, and what I've seen so far, I haven't gotten one lately. But uh, Sam actually tells his girlfriend, you know how I feel about Halloween, which makes it sound like he doesn't celebrate it or he doesn't want to be a part of it necessarily, which I guess maybe if he knows the, the all the dark things that are out there, maybe that's why he, he kind of wants to, to, to go away from that. But I know on other shows, because this show, Supernatural, I mentioned Buffy earlier, this definitely is in that vein of show. Not that it's a ripoff or anything, but I thought it was funny on the Buffy franchise that Halloween was actually like a night off. That typically the demons and the werewolves and the vampires or whoever kind of chilled out on, on Halloween. It was kind of like Labor Day. Uh, they just they didn't do anything. And so I thought that was pretty funny. But here we do just have the mention of Halloween. And there's all sorts of stuff we could get into there with the secular versions of Halloween. And going back to Gaelic Harvest Festivals. You know, the whole Sam Hain idea. And I think later on I mentioned this at some point. But a lot of, the, a lot of these pagan rituals and things... In a way, they were in, incorporated into things going on with the Catholic Church. Like All Saints Day was a Catholic holiday. I don't know. I, th- I definitely think it's come a long way from what it used to be of people trying to frighten away spirits or whatever they were trying to do to people dressing up and getting candy. Trick or treat everybody. All right. Well, we're going to move away from there. And perhaps later on, we'll have more of a Halloween themed episode. We might talk talk about that a little bit more. It's just a brief mention. Don't want to you know, spend too much time on that. But anyway, Poltergeist is mentioned early on and that is a German word that comes basically from Polten I guess is, which means to make noise and Geist which is ghost so noisy ghost and the creator of the show is a fan of the movie Poltergeist they actually mentioned Poltergeist the movie in an episode later on and basically some you know manifestation of, of something going on in a house whether it be knocking or banging or pounding something moving those type of things and those have been reported all sorts of places in the United States, Japan, Brazil, Australia, European nations. And apparently the reports go back to the first century um, as far as a noisy ghost. Which is kind of the um, typical thing you'd see in a movie with change rattling or something. Kind of the uh, Jacob Marley thing almost in uh, Christmas Carol. But anyway, that is a brief, brief discussion of the word poltergeist. I'm sure there's so much more we could talk about. But uh, again, just to kind of touch on these things real briefly. Also, he mentions the Devil's Gate. Uh, and there's actually more about that later on in the show. But as far as the word Devil's Gate, that's actually a, a name for quite a few different places in America. 55 of them actually here in the United States have a, a geographic location called Devil's Gate. There is one in Wyoming, and it is like a natural rock formation. Uh, but there are 54 others. Uh, but they actually use this in a, a different uh, way later on in, in the show, we find out. All right, and then one more thing they mentioned just briefly kind of in passing is EVP, the Electronic Voice Phenomenon, um, which is basically where people will record nothing or they maybe have a, try to ask questions to an empty room or whatever and see if they can find a response. 
which basically is you hear that I guess by turning up the gain to really loud levels and so that's kind of that idea there's there's also ways to ex explain it apart from a spirit speaking to you but I mean I guess that is one explanation but there are definitely other ones out there whether it's a uh, a hoax or something going on with the equipment or something else or people obviously I mean it could be a thing even where people look for order where there is none all right and then lastly real briefly we'll talk about the woman in white or the white lady and this is a female ghost reported in rural areas kind of around a local tragedy just like we have here in the episode and one thing it said um, I was looking up on Wikipedia and it was not the most reliable source, <laughs> but I was. And it says that they are often associated with a harbinger of death or is similar to a banshee. And I think that's more of a Celtic ghost form of a woman, but uh, that was something they mentioned there. But anyway, we're going to move into the next segment of the show, Supernatural and Pop Culture. Supernatural and pop culture. All right, supernatural pop culture. Stanford University is uh, definitely mentioned there. We see that location a couple of times in the episode. That is out there in Palo Alto, California. And uh, that university was actually founded back in 1891. Has been around quite a while. And one thing I thought was interesting, I think this would be something they could visit again. I don't, I don't know if they do. I haven't seen it. If they did... But the San Francisco earthquake back in 1906, I think that would be an interesting thing for them to, at some point, if they don't, if they haven't already, to go back and visit spirits or whatever they wanted to do in association with that event. Because that was a very large earthquake. You know, it would be a pretty traumatic thing. I don't know. I thought that would be an interesting thing for them in time. So there's several other big events like that. The Chicago fire that would be interesting for them to maybe even kind of explore. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen all the episodes. I don't know if they did. And if they did, I'm sorry if I spoiled you, but I just thought that would be interesting. All right, another thing in pop culture, Jessica, Sam's girlfriend, walks in wearing a Smurfs t-shirt, and uh, Dean comments about he likes the Smurfs. Uh, also, as Dean and his brother are pretending to be marshals, they're asked to leave pretty much by the sheriff, and when the um, cops walk by, Dean says, Agent Mulder, Agent Scully, which obviously is a X-Files reference to the um, sci-fi show back on Fox from the mid-90s to the early 2000s with David Duchovny and Julian Anderson, at least for the good seasons. While at the diner, Sam notices the pentagram that the young lady has around her neck that was a gift from her dead boyfriend, Troy, and uh, he says it's actually a powerful protection. And Dean says, thank you, Unsolved Mysteries, which... If you're familiar with Unsolved Mysteries, it starred Robert Stack for most of its run um, from 87 until 92, and then another guy took over later on back in the uh, 2008 era. But from when I watched the show, it was on NBC, but it actually moved over to M CBS and even Lifetime and Spike, and even it's still on now, and I did not realize that. I'd only seen it back in the late 80s, early 90s. But it was basically this show that, as a kid really creeped me out with the music more than anything and they would recreate like ghost or alien abductions or some other mystery and it's a kind of a fun little show but yeah that's a little bit about unsolved mysteries we also have a, a brief moment there in the hotel room where sam tries to apologize to dean and he says no chick flick moments and you know, that's not a reference to any specific thing but you know chick flick is those romantic comedy type movies that are targeted towards women 
and then we'll often come out around Valentine's Day. Um, something maybe like Titanic, which is you know the second highest grossing movie of all time, would be a chick flick. It's several funny things, I guess, throughout the episode. One of the names that Dean gives as his many false identities is Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent is the American guitarist, musician, singer, who was really famous back in the 70s. I mean, he's still around. He still plays music and stuff, I guess. But he was famous for the song Cat Scratch Fever. And then in the same scene, the sheriff t- tells him, does he know how much trouble he's in? And Dean asks if it's misdemeanor trouble or squeal like a pig trouble. And that would be a deliverance reference, which is another 70s reference. And I have this thought later on, because he makes a lot of 70s references. Obviously, he's too young for this stuff, but I guess this just comes from his dad. Just the movies, the music, the the car, all these things are part of his you know his legacy from his dad or whatever. Like One thing that I, I keep thinking, he mentions him quite a few times later on, is Steve McQueen. I'm like, honestly, Dean shouldn't even know who Steve McQueen is. At the beginning of the show... Back um, what two thousand five when the show started, um, Dean was twenty six. That means he's born roughly seventy nine, and his little brother was born in eighty three or eighty. But anyway, and like I was born in that same era, and I've heard of Steve McQueen, but I've never actually seen a Steve McQueen movie. I don't think. But there again, I'm assuming all these seventies references are mostly from his dad. But anyway, Deliverance. I've seen Deliverance, so I guess that's not as bad. But Deliverance is a seventy two uh, movie with Burt Reynolds. Um, Ned Beatty's in there, some other guys. But basically, there's a famous scene where some hillbillies basically rape Ned Beatty, and that is the squeal like a pig line comes from because the hillbilly says, I'm going to make you squeal like a pig. So there's lots of little references like that, and I guess if you're not familiar with these movies or these things that you wouldn't, wouldn't get, like there's a lot of these little things my wife hears, and she doesn't know that it's a reference, and Dean does this a lot, which is one of the things I really like about the show. I like I like that the all the pop culture references especially from Dean movies and mostly from Dean but another thing uh Sam mentions Casper. He says that Dean shot Casper in the face when he shot the lady, lady in white with the salt. And Casper the Friendly Ghost was from Harvey Comics back when I remember him mean, apart from like the in the mid 90s there was a movie and there's been all sorts of variations of cartoons and comic books and things over the years but good old Casper the friendly ghost. All right, we're going to get into our next segment of the show, and that is called Driver Picks the Music. Driver Picks the Music. Well, all right, there's several kind of prominent songs here in the episode. Uh, one of the first ones is when Sam and Dean stop for gas and breakfast. We hear Ramblin' Man. It is the Almond Brothers version, which is from 1973. It was featured on their album Brothers and Sisters. But other people have recorded this song over the years. And the song has been featured in movies and things. One interesting tie is that song was actually featured in The Exorcist, which is kind of cool considering the, the subject matter here. Another pretty prominent featured song is Back in Black. ACDC was from their album Black in Black back from 1980. And this was the first one without their original lead singer. Anyway, this was the first album after uh, the death of their original lead singer, Bon Scott, and with a new vocalist, Brian Johnson. It also featured another song that has been played in the show, and that is Highway to Hell. One thing about this song, Black and Black, it has been very popular throughout the years. Like, it was in Iron Man, it's been in the School of Rock, Karate Kid remake. Um, The WWE used it as one of their theme songs not too long ago. And as I mentioned, too, Highway to Hell was featured in this 
episode when they were leaving Constance's old home. We hear the ACDC as they kind of drive away from there. And it was originally on a 79 album with Bon Scott, but then it was re-recorded also, like we just mentioned, with the new lead singer. And that song's been in lots of movies and stuff too, like Iron Man 2, for instance. But uh, ACDC is definitely kind of one of those iconic bands that are used a lot these days. And there are actually a few other songs that were featured but were not as uh, prominent, I guess. Uh, I'm just looking. I, I picked up the Supernatural Official Companion for Season 1, and they also list Gasoline by The Living Daylights, What You Gonna Do by Classic, Speaking in Tongues by Eagles of Death Metal, and then also My Cheating Ways by Kid Glove Music. I know there was one song, I'm, I'm assuming it might have been that last one, There's one song featured during the Halloween party. I, I had no clue what that was, so I'm assuming that was one of those. That's going to wrap up our Driver Picks and Music section, and we're going to get into our episode recap for the pilot. Supernatural Recap. All right, well, this is episode one was entitled Pilot, and it was directed by David Nutter, written by Eric Kripke, the creator of the show, and originally aired back on September 13th in 2005. All right, well, we kick off the series with Lawrence, Kansas, 22 years ago. Dean's mom brings him in to say goodnight to his little brother, Sam. Dad comes in. Dean's all excited to see him. They go to sleep. As uh, lights flicker, soon the baby monitor makes some strange noises, wakes up the mother. She walks into the nursery, seeing a figure in the baby's room, obviously thinks it's her husband, John, and then notices a flickering light into the hallway. Going downstairs, she sees that John is asleep in front of the TV, so she runs back upstairs, and her scream awakens her husband, John. He rushes into Sam's room, finds Sam alone in the cradle, but soon notices blood dripping from the ceiling. He turns to see his wife, Mary, is on the ceiling, and she bursts into flames. John grabs Sam and gives him to Dean to get him to safety. John goes back into the room and sees his wife consumed by the fire. We hear, I think, what appears to be growls in the fire. He rushes outside, grabs his boys just before an explosion rocks Sam's room. And then in the aftermath of that, we see police and firefighters, EMTs are on the scene, and they're keeping people away from the site. As the family sits on the hood of what I think is the Impala. All right, we go over to Stanford University present day. And Sam's girlfriend is dressed up in a nurse's costume for a Halloween party and is asking him to hurry up. And this is where we get that mention of, you know how I feel about Halloween. Didn't really explain that, but uh, anyway, they go to this costume party. Um, Sam without a costume. It's, we find out that Sam scored a 174 in his LSAT, and he has a shot of getting a full scholarship to law school next year. And he has an interview on Monday. And then we cut back. We see that Sam and his girlfriend are asleep. He hears some noises. He goes to investigate. And then we see a figure pass by a doorway. Sam fights this intruder, and soon it is revealed to his brother, Dean. Sam wants to know why Dean is here. Dean implies that Sam wouldn't answer his call. Jessica comes in wearing a Smurf t-shirt, we mentioned earlier. Dean says he came to see Sam because Dad is on a hunting trip, and he hasn't been home for a few days. They go outside to talk, and on the way, Sam mentions the poltergeist in the Devil's Gate we talked about earlier, um, revealing part of their past as hunters. And he says that their dad was missing on those occasions, and he was fine. He's always fine. Sam goes on to say that he's given up hunting for good, and when he was nine years old, he was he was afraid of something in his closet. His dad gave him a forty-five. Dean said that he should be afraid of the dark because he knows what's out there. They grew up killing everything they could find, trying to find the thing that killed their mom. They were raised like warriors with weapons training and melting down silver into bullets. 
Sam says that he just went off to college and it was his dad who said to go and stay gone. Dean doesn't want to do this alone. Dean opens the trunk of his car, revealing an arsenal. Dean had been working a gig in New Orleans involving a voodoo. Dean is 26, we learn, and he does go on hunting trips on his own, which seems to surprise Sam. Their dad disappeared while investigating a stretch of road near a town called Jericho, California, where several men had disappeared mysteriously over the past several months, along with several others over the past 10 years. He was missing, and then yesterday Dean got a cryptic voicemail, including an EVP of the spirit saying, I can never go home. Sam has been gone for almost two years, and Dean says he's never bothered him or asked for anything. Sam says that he has to be back first thing Monday for his law school interview. Sam starts packing, including a weapon. He tells Jessica that his dad is probably at a cabin with Jim, Jack, and Jose. I guess I could have put those in pop culture references, but I didn't. That's Jim Bean, Jack Daniels, and Jose Cuervo. Jessica is confused about that, his actions, especially considering he doesn't really talk about his family. We go over to Jericho, California. A man is driving down the stretch of road that, uh, obviously, Mr. Winchester was investigating on his cell phone with Amy, his girlfriend. He explains he can't come over tonight because he has work. He sees a beautiful young woman in white on the side of the road as the radio starts to flicker, as it often does. He stops um, to offer her a ride. She asks for him to take her home. He opens the door for her. When she sits down, we see the rear of the car, and she has no shadow. She tells him that she lives at the end of Breckenridge Road. She notices her outfit and her assets, if you will, and thinks she might have been at a Halloween party. She asks if he thinks she's pretty and asks him to come home with her. They arrive at an abandoned house, and he said that she doesn't live here. She disappears from the car, and we see a handprint on the windshield. He gets out of the car and walks toward the house. We see a picture of a lady with two children on the wall. Just before birds fly out of the broken glass door, scaring him. He gets the keys, drives away, and is scared again when he sees her in the back seat. His VW car veers onto an old bridge, breaks through a barricade, and we see blood splattered on its windows once it stops. This is where we hear Ramblin' Man. As Sam and Dean stop for gas and breakfast, we learn that Dean um, and his dad use credit card scams to pay for things, and they apply in various names, and it is sometimes successful, apparently. Dean gets into his Impala, and that's where we have the discussion about the cassette tapes, and we get the Dean quote of the week. And as they uh, start to drive away with the greatest hits of mullet rock, they are soon seven miles from Jericho in California, and Dean finally turns down the volume of ACDC long enough for Sam to tell him no one matching their dad's descriptions or is in the local hospitals or morgues. They come upon the scene of a VW on the abandoned bridge that is surrounded by law enforcement. Dean grabs one of his many, many fake IDs and walks onto the crime scene. The car was owned by Troy, who was dating one of the deputy's daughters, Amy. We talked about her a minute ago. She was putting up missing posters downtown. Sam and Dean Posing as U.S. Marshals ask a lot of questions about the scene, and Dean cracks a joke. The sheriff wants to know if he could help them. As they were leaving, Dean calls you know, them Agent Mulder and Agent Scully, which we talked about earlier. Downtown, we see the emergency town hall meeting has been called for that night at 8 p.m., and Amy is putting up missing posters for Josh, just below that theater marquee. Sam and Dean ask her a few questions, posing as Troy's uncles. She says he never mentioned them. Amy and her friend join the boys at a local diner. She explained what happened to them. They were on the phone. He said he'd call her right back. Sam says he likes her pentagram necklace. She says Troy gave it to her to scare her parents with devil stuff. And that's where we talk about the whole thing about unsolved mysteries. Amy's friend brings up the local legend of a girl getting murdered out on Centennial Road decades ago. And supposedly she's still out there. She hitchhikes and whoever picks her up disappears forever. 
Dean searches various topics in the local newspaper, the Jericho Herald, for the cases that might match the legend, but Sam is impatient and searches for a suicide and finds it a story about Constant Wells, who jumped off a bridge in 1981. The newspaper reported that an hour before she jumped, she called 911, saying that she left her kids alone in the bathtub and they had drowned. Her husband, Joseph Welch, 30 at the time, was quoted in the article. She killed herself on the same bridge that the car was found. Sam and Dean go to the bridge that night. Sam is still concerned about his interview. Dean asks if Jessica knows the truth about him and the things he's done. Sam says she'll never know. Sam goes on to say, If they find the thing that killed their mom, what difference will it make? Because killing it will not bring their mom back. They see Constance on the bridge. She, they see her jump. Then their car starts and drives away, even though Dean has the keys in his hands. They jump over the side of the bridge to get away. Dean lands in the water. However, Sam is somehow able to hang on to the side of the bridge. The car is okay, despite whatever she did to it. Um, Sam says Dean smells like a toilet. Sam and Dean go to a local motel to get a room, and the attendant recognizes the last name on the credit card. And apparently their dad had been there, rented a room for a month. Sam picks the lock, and they enter the cluttered room with things pinned all over the walls and old food left out. There are rings of salt and cat eye shells on the floor reveal Sam that he was worried and was trying to keep something from coming in. Their dad had info on their walls about the different victims on one wall, information about various occult items and things on the other wall, along with information about the woman in white legend on another wall. Dean says that if it's a woman in white, their dad would have found a corpse and destroyed it. They both theorized about their dad would do next, and the next step would be to talk to her husband if he's still alive. Sam tries to apologize when we get the no chick flicks moment. Sam finds an old family picture from when he was young. Sam is trying to call Jessica, but is listening to her voicemail message. As Dean goes outside to get something to eat, there are cops. The motel manager must have called them and turned him in. The cops ask about his partner. They arrest Dean for the fake credit cards and impersonating a federal marshal. Um, this is when Dean says his name is Ted Nugent, and then he makes the deliverance reference. The sheriff says there's info about 10 missing people and a satanic mumbo-jumbo on the wall of the hotel room. And then Dean does say that the earliest one was from when he was three years old. The guy was like, well, you got a partner, an older fella. So basically, the sheriff thinks that Sam, Dean, and their dad are serial killers here. The sheriff figures out his name is Dean from the journal that he found of John's. The sheriff could not understand much from what he found. He wants to know what Dean 35111 means. We find out pretty soon what that is, but not just yet. Sam goes to see Joseph Welch, who their dad had seen a couple days before. He told him that he was a reporter. Sam says he's working on the same story. He's just fact-checking. Mr. Welch says that his wife was buried behind the old place on Breckenridge. He says that he never married again, that Constant was the love of his life. They had a happy marriage. Sam asks about the woman in white legend and all over the world about how these women kill their children because of their cheating husbands, and then these spirits kill unfaithful men. Mr. Welch says that he made some mistakes, but Constance would never kill her own children. He was very angry and told Sam to get out and never come back. Dean jokingly says that the Dean 35111 is his high school locker combination. The police receive a 911 call about shots fired, and the sheriff leaves Dean alone in the interrogation room with the journal handcuffed to the table. Dean uses a paper clip to pick the lock and escape. Sam receives a phone call from Dean, and Dean starts a conversation with a fake 911 call. It's pretty illegal, and, it's, um, and then he explains that their dad has left Jericho and that he has their dad's journal. Their dad had left them coordinates of the next place he wants them to go. Sam sees the woman in white and drives through her, then slams on brake. She appears in the back seat, demanding for him to take her home. He refuses. She locks the door and drives the car herself with her spirit powers or whatever, and which definitely reminds me this in the part earlier where she drove the car of Carrie in the old Stephen King novel and movie. Of course, that was about a haunted car. kind of reminded me of that. 
she is trying to seduce Sam, but she's, he says he's not unfaithful. She can't kill him, but she says he will be. She starts kissing Sam. She disappears. She reappears, and she, she kind of flickers in and out like this skull-looking evil face, and she appears to be sucking the life out of his chest. Dean shoots at her, which distracts her, and then Sam starts the car, drives it into the house, saying, I'm taking you home. Her spirit picks up the picture of her and her children. She slams a desk against Sam and Dean, but the light flicker and the water starts flowing down the stairs. The spirit of her two murdered children appear. They suck her down to the floor, presumably taking her to hell. Maybe? I don't know. Or destroying her? Who knows? She could never go home because she was afraid to face her children. Sam mentions Dean shooting Casper in the face, and Dean says it saved him. More ACDC is heard as they drive away the highway to hell we mentioned earlier. They determine that their dad is about 600 miles away in Blackwater Ridge, Colorado. Dean says they can make it there by morning, but Sam wants to go back for his interview. Dean takes Sam back, and Sam asks him to call him if he finds her dad, and maybe he could meet up with them later. Dean says that they made a great team out there. Sam walks inside looking for Jessica. He finds some cookies she made for him, lays down on the bed, just as blood starts to begin to drip on his face. Jessica is on the ceiling. She bursts into flames. Dean kicks in the door, once again pulls Sam out of the burning house. Which is definitely a very similar scene to how the episode started. Um, And and then, of course, followed with the police and firefighters and things just like earlier. And then we see that Sam is near their car loading up a gun. Dean walks over and he says, we've got work to do. The end of the pilot for Supernatural of way too much detail. (laughs) But that was what was going on in this first episode of Supernatural. All right, we're going to move into our next segment of the show where we break down the top five moments of the episode. Supernatural 5 will count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode. All right, number five on this list for this week. And like I said, this is kind of my top five moments of what's important. And not necessarily important to this episode, but more important to the series. Number five is Sam and Dean figure out the mysterious test are determined that it is a woman in white. Uh, we kind of they kind of investigate this thing a little bit before they are able to figure out what's going on, and then um, soon we find out that their dad had already kind of pointed the way to it, and they figure, find out you know things about Constance and her background, and kind of are able to determine what it was, and that's kind of their their mode of operation here. They they research the area, the location, the people to see if they can find something that might have caused a disturbance in the force, if you will. And so that's number five. And we're going to take a look at number four. Sam takes Constance home. That was the uh, kind of the finale of the show. He was able to take the spirit back to the house she was afraid to go to, her children that she murdered. Either, like you know, I would assume, dragged her to hell or destroyed her. Uh, however that worked, because they were angry bitter spirits as she was that pretty much solved the case they were going to try to destroy the body that was their plan uh, but they didn't have to do that because the kids took care of the ghost for them which is pretty cool I guess I mean it's kind of disturbing that these little kids were evil spirits but that's pretty much how it looked okay number three on our top five list Sam goes with Dean to help him find their missing dad so that's definitely pretty important as far as the whole show goes. That definitely st- uh, kicks us off with the whole Brothers Winchester fighting evil once again. And I, I, th- I know there's a anime series out there, which I think, from what I understand, goes out and does some prequel stuff to kind of fill in some of the gaps of when they were younger. And I think there's also a comic book series that does that. I haven't read or gotten into any of that stuff yet. But 
We definitely have some other stories I could tell from when the boys were younger. Anyway, yeah, but definitely Sam going to fight with Dean here, going to hunt, as they call it, part of the family business. And that was that was a good point of the shoe. All right, number two on the, the five list here is Jessica's death. This definitely pushes Sam away from college and back to the family business. And it's just strange. I, I don't know. I have some like theories or thoughts about this. Um, to a little bit, but we'll go ahead and throw in number one and talk about them both. Number one is Mary's death. Um, this is basically the premise of the entire show, which starts the family business, and Mary Winchester being killed by this entity, this spirit, this thing. That is kind of becomes the family obsession as they are trying to hunt down evil and find the thing that killed their mom or, or wife in John's case. And so that definitely you know, kind of started the family business, and then Jessica's death pushes Sam back to the family business. He doesn't really have anything to go back for. You know, His idea was to go to law school, be normal, get married, blah, 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 just a normal American family dream kind of thing, and that ain't going to happen now because she's dead. I mean, we, we see it's definitely related to Sam in both ways. What about Sam's mother or Sam's girlfriend necessitated a thing killing them? Like, obviously Sam's kind of in the middle of that, why would his mom be, have to be killed? I mean, was it she would just kill because she came in there at the wrong time? Was the thing looking for Sam? And then the same goes for the second round, is the fact that Jessica was in their bedroom, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, or is it because that thing wanted to eliminate these women from his life because of the influence they would have had on him? How would Sam and Dean be right now if they hadn't lost their mom? You know, like totally, they would be totally different. They would be just a normal family. They wouldn't be out hunting evil. They wouldn't be, you know, fighting demons and spirits and stuff. They would be playing football and working on the car, just normal stuff, not all this crazy stuff. And so it was like, it was one of those things where this entity, this thing, and and like I said, I, I know what it is as far as watching later on the episodes, but I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it already. This this entity, this thing that killed their mom, set them on the path to do a lot of good. I mean, they've saved a lot of people, and they. I mean, that's kind of the whole premise of the show, and, you know, killing things and saving people. They've done a lot of that. They've gotten rid of a lot of evil spirits and demons and stuff, and they've saved a whole lot of people. And so it's like that wasn't a good choice for the evil thing to do, considering all the good that's come out of it. So yeah, I don't quite understand. The motivation behind that. And I honestly still don't quite understand that motivation, even though I know a little bit more from having watched some more of the seasons. Let's move forward from here as we wrap up those Supernatural 5, and we'll get into a little bit of feedback. Supernatural cast feedback. Over on Twitter, we have some, uh, some interaction there, and um, I'll go ahead and tell you now. You can follow us on Twitter, and we're at SupernaturalCast. Basically, it's supernatural without the L cast. And that's just the whole situation with Twitter. I think you're limited to 14 characters, something to that effect. And that happened to me on the Falling Skies cast. Uh, I was one letter short. I just know that it's not the best name because people are going to probably look for supernatural cast. And it's not there because it doesn't exist in Twitter land. So, sorry guys if it confuses anyone, but it is supernatural cast. But anyway, over on Twitter on the 23rd of August, because I set this Twitter account up, I guess, last Saturday, the 20th, because, I mean, pretty much immediately I had this idea for a podcast. So uh, on the 23rd, Jersey Gerlin PR says, Supernatural Cast, thanks for the follow. Follow back. 
hashtag Supernatural Family. Nuvo underscore SPN says, Hello, new followers, waves, nice to meet you. Had several followed Fridays. Blue Bashia, CJ underscore Winchester, um, several that I sent myself from The Falling Skies, Event Podcast, Random City, and JIGPC Network. And then also another one from a real person, <laughs> Jersey Girl in PR with the Follow Friday. Thanks for that. And anyway, that's some interactions over on, on the Twitter. And I've had a few people like us over on Facebook, but I haven't had a real episode yet, so hopefully that will increase as we move forward. So this last little part of the show, I just want to invite you to contact us. You can call in and leave a voicemail about any of these episodes, and you can do that at 203-74-SUPER. That's 203-74-SUPER. You can also email us at mail at supernaturalcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at supernaturalcast. I know that's kind of lame that it's not full name, but well, you know, whatever. And that is S-U-P-E-R-N-A-T-U-R-A cast, C-A-S-T. All right, and you can also like us on Facebook, and you can just search for Supernatural Cast, and we'll be there. And I guess that's about it at this point. Uh, we'd definitely love to have your feedback. I definitely would like your feedback on the whole thing. Should I reference things that happen later in the show, or should I keep it just to this episode? Because I, I know there are definitely people out there who, like me, I was looking for a podcast that was, I go back to episode one and kind of follow along and hear some discussion and stuff about that. So I definitely would like your discussion of of the episodes we talk about. And like I said, I'm, I want to hopefully have this out weekly. I don't know for sure what day it'll be. I know last with my last podcast, it ended up usually Wednesday or Thursday. Usually kind of ended up being the day I'd have them released. Uh, right now it's Tuesday. So hopefully I might have it out tonight, maybe tomorrow. But I definitely would like to have your feedback for the second episode, Wendingo. Anyway, I definitely plan to do this at least weekly. And if I have enough free time or whatever, hey, I might do it twice a week. But right now I'm planning on a weekly format. And like I said, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. I can change things around and whatnot. But anyway. That's going to pretty much wrap up this first episode for the Supernatural cast with Jimmy and Georgia, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. And I just want to thank you for checking us out. And again, we'd love to have your feedback, love to have your suggestions, your comments. And so we'd definitely like to have that included for the next episode. And don't forget, I don't think I mentioned it, SupernaturalCast.com is the website. All right, well, that's going to be it. And we hope to see you next time. So peace out. Sweet.